A meta-analysis published in the British Medical Journal, where researchers screened 98,745 papers and focused on 72 cohort studies from around the world, involving a combined 2.5 million participants, found that central adiposity was was consistently associated with a higher risk of premature mortality from all types of illnesses. Now, central adiposity, when you hear that, it's the accumulation of fat in the lower torso around your abdominal area. Existing evidence suggests that central fatness might be more strongly associated with the risk of mortality than overall obesity. Excess fat is a no-go, but it's especially a no-go when it's around this area. Today's episode is all about weight and fat, but not just any type of fat. It's about one of the most important types of fat. I'm going to discuss visceral fat and its connection to your business performance and overall health and longevity. Welcome to Executive Health and Life. I'm your host, Julian Hayes II, and the mission here is to help and inspire you to seek sustained peak performance and maximize your longevity, and ultimately maintain your edge and your status while enjoying the finer things in life. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to discuss visceral fat, and visceral fat is something that matters from both a business and a personal health standpoint. Visceral fat is the type of fat that accumulates around the organs in in your abdominal cavity and has been linked to several health problems such as insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and even certain types of cancer. Now, we'll go more into detail soon on the health implications of this, but from a business standpoint, entrepreneurs and executives need to be in good health to perform at their best and to ultimately make sound decisions. Now, poor health can lead to decreased productivity, increased absenteeism, and a higher healthcare cost. Additionally, this is a thing that you cannot overlook as well because you are a leader, that being in good health can help you set an example for your employees and to promote a culture of wellness in the workplace. Now, I started reading a lot on visceral fat. It's something that I've always knew about, but I just didn't know how important it was and just how critical it was and how overlooked it is still to me from a um, from a longevity and performance perspective. So, you know, for me now, all of my programs and services now, I include a, a DEXA scan as part of my offering. So and if you a DEXA scan, for those who may not know, it's something that you can get and it's something that serves its importance because it looks beyond just your weight. It looks beyond just your BMI, which for some people can be flawed. If you're, if, if you happen to have a lot of muscle on you, you can be more of an athlete, athletic build, but BMI still has its use still. But these things, um, the DEXA scan ultimately helps to determine your body fat distribution and results from a DEXA scan includes total fat, body fat mass. It includes total non-fat mass. It includes bone mass, it includes regional body fat, and non-fat mass distribution from like your trunk, your arms, your legs, and your waist and your hip regions, and generalized bone mineral density, which is important because we start to lose bone typically, and I say this in quotations if you're not watching this, I say this in quotations, usually starting around 30 or a little over 30, 
if we don't really do too much, we start to lose muscle mass and a little bone. Women more so than men. But and then lastly, this is also going to include your visceral fat um, reading as well, or abdominal fat, whichever way you want to call it. So before moving on, though, there's I want to distinguish between visceral fat and maybe subcutaneous fat, which is something that you're probably much more familiar with. And there's four big distinctions to keep in mind as we're talking about visceral fat here and we're talking about subcutaneous fat. Number one is the location. So our subcutaneous fat, this is located just beneath our skin. This is the layer between the skin and the muscles, the underlying muscles. And this is going to be spread throughout the body. And it typically accumulates in areas such as your thighs, your hips, your hips, your, um, your buttocks, and your abdomen. Now, visceral fat, on the other hand, this is located deep within the abdominal cavity. This is surrounding the organs such as your liver, your intestines, and even your pancreas. The second big distinction here to keep in mind is the distribution of the whole thing. So subcutaneous fat, this is distributed evenly across the body. This is going to act as your protective layer. This is providing insulation. This is providing energy storage. This also tends to be softer to touch. Now, visceral fat, on the other hand, this is more concentrated in this abdominal region. This is going to form the quote unquote, again, beer belly uh, or the apple shaped appearance. This wraps around your internal organs and this can push your abdominal wall outward. This is resulting then in a more firm and hard texture. So that's a key distinction between these two. Also is the health risk. Now, both types of fat are metabolically active, but the visceral fat poses a much, much higher health risk compared to the subcutaneous fat. The visceral fat is going to release more of these inflammatory substances and these hormones into your bloodstream, which is then going to lead to the insulin resistance. It's going to lead to inflammation and it's going to lead to other metabolic issues. This has also been strongly associated with an increased risk of chronic conditions such as type 2 diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and certain cancers, as I mentioned earlier. Now, subcutaneous fat still has its issues, still is nothing, something that we go around championing and celebrating that, ooh, we got a bunch of subcutaneous fat. No, we wouldn't do that. But it has its certain health implications when it's in excess, but it's generally less harmful than the visceral fat. Number four is measurability. So subcutaneous fat can be measured using various methods, such as You've probably seen these at the gym. Maybe you've even used these before. These are your skin fold calipers um, or your body circumference measurements. And visceral fat, though, on the other hand, is typically measured using some, um, pardon me, some sort of imaging technique, such as um, a um, computed tomography scans, which is CT scans for short, or a MRI, which is magnetic resonance imaging, or a DEXA scan. And these methods, which I prefer, they allow for a much more accurate assessment of these visceral fat levels and its distribution within the abdominal cavity. So with all of this said now, 
I'll, let's get into some details here of, of just a few of the big health points and its connection to visceral fat. And there are so many that I could name here, but I, I didn't want to turn this into an hour, hour and a half episode. So we're just going to skim over some of the big ones here and then move on. So the first one is visceral fat and the accumulation of fat. So excess visceral fat is going to inhibit the hormone adiponectin. This hormone is referred to as the quote unquote again, fat hormone. Adiponectin is a fat regulator. If you don't have enough of it that's circulating in your system, this could cause your body to accumulate more fat than is necessary. So the human body is very interesting because a lot of times things that we deem a negative is actually our body's protecting us. It's a survival mechanism. And sometimes it just happens to be a inconvenience in this case here. So we need a little fat. We need some fat on our body and our body's just not regulating it correctly. So now we're having too much of it. So th this is the same thing with a lot of the, when we look at genetics and a lot of different SNPs that we have that, you know, these things came from evolution and protected us. And, you know, our genes may not match up with our environments now, but it doesn't mean that, you know, it's a sentence to always deal with these particular issues or situations that we have. So, you know, as we come back to this, as I mentioned, it's a fat regulator and you don't have enough of it circulating in your system. And so now this is causing your body to accumulate more than necessary. Now, studies have also demonstrated that visceral fat and adiponectin were independently associated with various metabolic risk factors, such as high cholesterol, high triglycerides, um, lower a a LDL, and a HDL. So a lot of different things are happening here when it comes to the accumulation of fat and hence the visceral fat. So the second point I want to bring out is visceral fat and its connection to cognitive functioning. So as I was reading and prepping for this episode, I found that increased visceral fat seems to have an effect on cognition. I found that also increased visceral fat can really um, lay waste to a lot of our executive functioning skills. And um, one study in particular demonstrated that visceral fat is harmful to the brain because it allows this inflammatory cytokine called interleukin-1 beta to infiltrate the brain. And this interleukin-1 beta cytokine, it's produced by visceral fat. This travels through your bloodstream, passes through the blood-brain barrier, and then enters the brain. And this is where it causes then these microglials to become dysfunctional and disrupt your cognitive potential and abilities. Now, it's not going to say that you're just going to drop from 100 to zero or just or anything extreme like that. But over time, there could be a noticeable decrease in your cognition. This is sometimes what people refer to as brain fog. We hear that word a lot, brain fog. But what exactly is brain fog? Um, this is pretty much kind of what brain fog is, at least how I define it, is just that you're just not thinking as sharply. You're not as sharp. Your mental acuity is just not as good. Now, as to what the microglial are, these are immune cells in your brain which regulate neuronal functioning indirectly 
by clearing these dead cells and extracellular debris, and directly by releasing signal signaling molecules that support, or the key part here, suppress neuroplasticity. So the next one I want to talk about is visceral fat and cardiovascular health. Visceral fat has been linked to an increase in cardiovascular disease. I, I know I mentioned that at the beginning of this episode. The release of, once again, these inflammatory substances from visceral fat can contribute to the development of atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis is a condition that's characterized by the buildup of plaque in your arteries. This can unfortunately lead to heart attacks, strokes, and other cardiovascular complications. But by managing these visceral fat levels, you can greatly, greatly, greatly reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease while promoting heart health. And big time on this one. Um, had a lot of experience seeing people and with family and everything with cardiovascular health. So this is an area that I understand a little too much to my liking. So the next one is visceral fat and metabolic health. Excessive visceral fat is associated with insulin resistance, which impairs your body's ability to effectively regulate blood sugar levels. Now, insulin resistance can lead to the development of type 2 diabetes over time. This is what we see a lot of people in the world now coming to is becoming more and more insulin resistant and eventually falling into what's a category of type 2 diabetes. So metabolic health is one of the most important things. I don't like to say give things a preference to say this is the most important thing to focus on and et cetera and et cetera. But, you know, I'm coming around to it that really, I think focusing on metabolic health as one of the first things is would really serve people well because it's metabolic health is tied to so many things and it's 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 unfathomable how many things it actually affects. But nevertheless, once again, reducing visceral fat, you can improve your insulin sensitivity. Insulin sensitivity is a good thing. You're improving that. And so if you hear someone saying improve insulin, insulin sensitivity, it's a good thing. Resistance, not so much. So, and then overall, this is going to promote better metabolic health. Number five here is visceral fat and out of control stress that is unmitigated. A lot of times we talk about stress makes you fat and et cetera. And I don't like to look at it just stress and just having that word without having a word before it or anything, because we need a little stress. We need a little stress. What we're really talking about is unmitigated, unmitigated stress, out of control stress. Unmitigated stress can lead to excess amounts of visceral fat being stored over time. This is not something that's gonna happen in a week a month, um, six months out of the year. This is, we're thinking long-term here. One study looked at how visceral fat may be a physiological adaptation to stress. Now, under chronic unmitigated stress, keywords there, chronic unmitigated stress, your body releases cortisol, which in turn is going to activate your HPA axis. This has been shown to exert hyperphagic effects Hyperphagic effects is a fancy word of saying that someone has an abnormally increased appetite for food consumption. They're eating a little more. This is typically associated usually with a hypothalamus issue. But in this case, there's also, 
with this chronic unmitigated stress, there's also a potential issue of a anti-thermogenic effect going on. So no heat producing. So once again, if there's not as much heat being produced, then you can't get the fat off. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a catch all. And so glucocorticoids, which are a group of uh, corticosteroids, such as cortisol, these are especially these are involved in like carbohydrate, protein, and fat metabolism, and these are also um, anti-inflammatory, immunosuppressive. But these glucocorticoids they affect abdominal fat to a greater extent than the subcutaneous adipose tissue, because ad abdominal adipose tissue has more cells per mass unit, higher blood flow, and more glucocorticoid receptors. So we laid out a couple of the big issues. There was about five of them. There's a, there's a handful of more that we could have went into. But the good news in all of this is that, the, first and foremost, having awareness that there's different types of fat and that not all fats are equal. I kind of like that saying, not all fats are equal. Because we've seen people advanced age that have a little, little extra pounds to them, but it's not the visceral fat. It's the subcutaneous fat, and there's a difference. Um, but losing visceral fat is absolutely in your control. Losing visceral fat requires a comprehensive approach that combines healthy eating, regular physical activity, and various lifestyle modifications. In a nutshell, master the basics and then focus on becoming optimized and enhanced, or you can simply call it becoming superhuman. Now, in terms of pillars, just to keep in mind a big picture here, first and foremost is to look into your nutrition. Learning your genetics always helps. You can have a more precise dialing in into the type of diet, types of foods that you should eat. Um, but in general, though, increase your fiber intake, water intake. These things have never really failed people. Um, opt for healthy fats. I'm partial to olive oil macadamia nut oil, and avocado oil. Those are my three favorites. Um, adequate protein intake as well. I think a solid diet that's also sati satiating is um, it starts with a, a, a strong protein intake. And then, so we have our proteins, we have our fats, and then you strategically implement your carbohydrate intake. And this is based on, I usually do this, it's based on a person's activity, how active they are, do they do a lot of sports, um, some of their lab work, their genetics, and then um, where they currently stand in life right now. So it's, it's a couple of different factors that I, would, that I would use to come up with a carb intake. And increased physical activity, include here aerobic exercise, strength training, and even a little high intensity training into your weekly training regimen. Now, this is not, you know, regarding physical activity, mobility and stability as well. Keep those two things in mind as well. And so implement those into your strength training regimen or do it separately, maybe yoga or, or something like that, or, or at home while you're watching TV, while watching sports or watching something on YouTube or Netflix, do some mobility and stability work. Next is stress management. So as mentioned earlier, chronic stress can contribute to the accumulation of visceral fat. But here's the thing, 
and this is the thing that people talk about with stress. Don't focus on removing all the stress in your life. Just simply aim to mitigate it. Simply aim to control it through techniques such as meditation, deep breathing, exercising, yoga, various hobbies that you enjoy. And most importantly, a lot of times the stress that we have is because we feel overwhelmed. So it's a feeling of overwhelm. How can you stop this feeling of overwhelm? Take back control. How do you take back control? A lot of times it's becoming more organized. Time management, something within our schedule. Maybe it's establishing some boundaries, not committing to everything, not feeling guilty for saying no. Those types of things can also help take stress under control. Number four is sleep. Inadequate sleep can disrupt hormonal balance, increase appetite, potentially leading to weight gain and visceral fat accumulation. Now, also on these pillars, I would also add gut health, hormones, detoxification in here as well when it comes to this overall picture of attacking visceral fat. So as we land this ship here, it's important to keep in mind that losing visceral fat takes time and consistency. Once again, time and consistency. So there needs to be some patience, but also some urgency and aggressiveness to the day. Hold two ideas in one hand. So by, reduce, by reducing visceral fat, you'll not only improve your waistline, but you are going to improve your overall bottom line. And if you would like some help with that, with taking your help, taking your health, taking your performance to another level, reach out, schedule your free executive performance call with me, and we will go from there. In the meantime, if you haven't signed up, sign up for your free executive health report where I lay out 17 simple health tips that you can implement now to start living a healthier, more energetic, and longer life. And then also while you're signing up, you will never miss a weekly email in my upcoming Enhanced Executive Journal where I'm going to share one to two tips each week that are not anywhere else that'll help you operate with sustained peak performance while maximizing your longevity. Plus, I'll be sharing more behind the scenes on what regimens and various things and experiments that I'm currently using. But until next time, stay awesome, be limitless, and as always, go be the CEO of your health and your life. Peace.